Good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Eurofolk Radio Network. I got it right today. <laughs> it is Wednesday, June 15th, 2022. I'm Sergeant Jim Ram, your host. You can call me Sarge. And uh, this program is generally meant to present nutritional information, but you never know what we're going to be talking about. I will just say check out the websites, yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do it yourself. H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com, and our sister site, yourdiywealth.com. And when you're there, be sure and hit the Hyperverse and Luminaria Global tabs. There's videos there that talk about the two programs. If you have any questions, hit the Contact Me button, and I'll do everything I can to get your questions answered and get you on the right track. Uh, keep in mind, topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Eurofolk Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in the show should be, con be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. Alrighty then. That being said, I did want to little give, give a little update on my, um, my garden. Um, I've applied the um, uh, Turboganics twice. Um, in a, it's been about three weeks. I know you're supposed to do it once a week. Um, the second week I got, I got held up cause the weather was kind of weird and I was kind of lazy and all different things going on, but, um, my plants are growing like crazy. So, so far so good. Um, I've got a tomato plant that's about four and a half feet high already. And, um, when I first applied this stuff, I think it was maybe half that. So it's grown pretty well in the last couple of weeks. Um, stuff seems to be doing the job. So we'll see. And, uh, of course, the tomatoes are budding. We got some, I think they're, I'm not sure. They're either um, zucchini or uh, cucumber. But they got great big buds on them. Monstrous ones. So uh, all in all, things are looking good. Um, happy as a clam so far. But like I said, we'll see how things go from here on. But so far, uh, all indications are the garden's going to do pretty well this year. That's what I'm hoping because I want my some good fresh tomatoes. Anywho, uh, just want to give an update on Jim. that. And um, Jim, yes, sir. Go ahead, Chuck. Hey, are you are you? Uh, what's the heat like right now there? Well, it's odd. My watch keeps telling me it's 69 degrees. <laughs> when I was out there this what? morning, it sounded felt more like 89. <laughs> we need to we need to trade places. <laughs> well it's not it, it's it's hot out there um the horses are not leaving okay. their stalls they're staying inside in front of the fans um really drinking a lot of water you know it's very humid because all the rain we've been having and oh, it's okay. it's probably in the high 80s low 90s um my watch is i don't know what it's doing i got to reset the thing because <laughs> it is <laughs> you know it I'm basically like, it's supposed to tip. It's supposed to pick up the information from my phone, but it's not doing it. And I'm restarting the thing to see what's going on, because for the last two days it said 69, and I know it ain't that. <laughs> I went out this morning, I looked at my watch, and I stepped out the door, and I said, ain't no 69 out here. <laughs> but, no, we yeah. got a lot of uh, rain last week, and uh, so we've been getting some good amount of rain. You know, it's 
It's supposed to be April showers bring May flowers. <laughs> well, you know what May flowers okay, bring, so right? Get, Pilgrims. Get, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. But <laughs> we got, we got, but the problem is it's a hit or miss on in April in Oklahoma. So yeah. um, we got a couple of showers in April that then we started picking up rain in uh, May and then June, first part of June. I was like, dang. Mm-hmm. So the bees are going happy. They're going crazy and uh, getting some honey, yeah. which is good. But the, uh, but I, but the, okay. So last week and, and it was cool, cooler, right? Mm-hmm. But man, once uh, Saturday hit, it's nineties, humid. Yeah. I'm like, God, it just one, switches from one uh, <laughs> atmosphere to another. You know, and here in Oklahoma, and I, I'm. I think there are other states that say the same thing, but it, it, you wait one, you wait a day, wait a few hours, and the weather can change just like, like that, you know. So yeah, we always say if you don't like the weather uh, in Ohio, wait twenty minutes; it'll change. Especially yeah. northern Ohio, <laughs> well, up northern, on the lake. Well, Ooh. because they're off the lakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one minute is beautiful uh, sunny, anyway. and the next minute it's pouring down rain and blowing like crazy. It's wild. Well, we're getting a lot of wind through the summer, so the south winds, though, I, I think that when it blows like it is today, it's probably, I figure it's probably 10, 10 15, 20 miles an hour, and it blows up from the Gulf, and I think that's what's happening. It's blowing up that blast of humidity from Houston. Mm-hmm. I, I, man, I, how can anybody live in Houston? I, I just... Beats me. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, if you walk out... You can walk out the side door here right now and not really, like, have break out in a sweat. It, it's humid, but it's not that humid. And if you, man, if you're, the stories I hear about Houston, I've been there since I was a kid, so I don't know. I don't remember. But the, this, what they say about Houston is, or even like Florida, is you minute you walk out the door, I think Louisiana is the same. You're just, <laughs> you, might, you might as well change clothes. <laughs> Yep, you soaked in no time. I can't handle that kind of humidity. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to say, that, so the turbo organics, now look, I've been fighting off and debating. I got some sweet potatoes uh, slips planted because we have sweet potatoes that were left over from last year that have started growing uh, stems off of it. So I just rooted them mm-hmm. and uh, in water and then put it and planted them. Now I want to say this, too, before I go on. I stuck the the first jar that I had of, of those uh, slips. It took a while for them to develop roots. I added a little. You now we've talked about C90 before, right? I C90? put a little, just a pinch of the C90 into that water, and I'm telling within days they had they exploded in root growth. Hmm. It, it's a. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Well, I've said before, when you spray it on plants, they just like, if you got any plants, like I'll do this with the roses too. Um, if you want anything to bloom, to develop buds, uh, grow more, faster, or whatever, you just take that and dilute it in some water and then spray it on those plants, and you'll see the results the next day. It, that's it, it makes a big difference. So I'm thinking if I add that, and I put the uh, turbo or 
gigantic in it. This because I haven't planted anything else later than in the year, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else is already there. These are perennials that I've got growing: elderberry, blackberry, stuff like that. Even the blackberry, I only had one flower on one that's starting to produce a fruit. Like it's like a week ago is when that flower came up. So I don't know. I didn't steadily keep them watered through the uh, early spring. So that may be what the issue is, and it's delayed. I don't know. It's kind of weird. The elderberries are just now uh, got they got massive flower heads on them now. So, and I was thinking they usually put them on earlier in the spring down here. But well, anyway, so I was thinking about okay. I know it's past the time to plant. <laughs> We're near doing the second planting right now. So August first is usually the second planting, but I figure. If I plant seeds and not transplants, they should be fine. You know, tomatoes don't like the set fruit. Uh, I think it's above 70 degrees, 75, something like that. And mm. so I mean, it may be a humidity thing more than just the temp. But um, So I'm thinking in, if I add the turbo, turbo organic to it, that and with the C90, I'm thinking I should be fine. Worth a shot. Even in the heat in this heat so well uh okra will do fine they love heat so yeah that's a southern I'll be out the ears in okra huh <laughs> that's a southern thing man <laughs> hey, love come okra. On down. i love okra what okra's great oh yeah you like it yeah okay love it tomatoes don't stop that's production good. till about 90 degrees all right thank you samuel well, there was something I had read on it before that was saying in the 70s or something. It may be a humidity thing more than anything. Mine keep going. Know. <laughs> you know, we always, in uh, the summer, we get 90s on a regular basis, even up in the hundreds. And our tomatoes always, they go all summer long. They don't seem to have any issues. But, okay. Uh, yeah. You got humidity there too, right? Right now it's 51%, according to my okay. app. And I can, it feels like it. Uh, with the app on my phone, it says it's, um, where am I, uh, 94, and it uh, feels like 104 with all the heat index and all that garbage. 51% right. humidity, and uh, barometric pressure's dropping, so we always might see a change here. <laughs> but well, hopefully my phone will that. start picking things up here. Okay, yeah, now so my phone says 94. <laughs> I mean, my watch what? does. Uh, oh, so you're at 95? 90, I'm 94 here. You're hotter than it is here. Well, come on it's up. It's 86 degrees right now. Well, you're only an hour ahead of me, but you're 80, we're 86 right now with 61% humidity. Yeah, I think it was almost 90 when I went out to feed the horses this morning. <laughs> they were both in the stalls just standing in front of the fans. Yeah, yeah that's what it... it well, you mean the temperature was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when ah, I stepped out the door, yeah. I looked at my watch. It said 69, but my body said at least 85 to 90. <laughs> I could tell, man. It's, it's hot out here. I don't understand. I think uh, Michigan's having uh, 90s, too. And I, I'm like, Could be crazy. I don't, they get warm that, up they there, got too. They the humidity <laughs> up there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I and it may depend on where you're located in Michigan as well, because they got yeah. their, they got they're bordered by the lake too. Yeah, and with all the geoengineering and everything else that's going on, everything's upside down. You never know what it's going to do. 
Yeah, they, well, they know, kept that high-pressure zone off of California coast all the time, and that shoved that last storm that we should have got that would have had to go over the high Sierras. They shoved it up through Oregon and Washington, and that's how they, you know, they they, they totally flooded out, you know, hmm. Idaho and and Wash and uh, and Wyoming. Wow. Yep. They closed uh, Yellowstone the other day because really? of flooding. Wow. That's something. I just yeah, uh, I had some folks from my church were just out there a week or two ago. They loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was carving the banks away so fast it was taking homes down the river with it. Ooh, man. That's a trip. Yeah, now, all of a sudden your house is a houseboat. The Yellowstone is the biggest. The Yellowstone is the biggest, but there's several rivers. Um, Tributaries, probably. Well, you got the Snake running in up through there, mm-hmm. and but the oh, Yellowstone really? going through the park, and there's a there's a Yellowstone Canyon too, which has got huge waterfalls and stuff. It's really mm-hmm. beautiful. Wow. I have Good never question. Been. So the yeah, who was that? Who's got the question? The lady with the question? Hello? Where'd she go? Hmm. I don't know who that was, but she's welcome to come in. Me either. So, Samuel, you were saying the snake runs from uh, out of Wyoming into through Colorado? Because I know it goes through Colorado. Well, it starts... I guess up in the Idaho in the in the in the Bitterroot Mountains and and then across uh, to southern or uh, Idaho into uh, again I guess uh, you know Wyoming and um, and uh, you know that's I I looked into how that Great Divide works you know that's the Great Divide runs right through Yellowstone Park so you've got these rivers. On both sides of the divide. In fact, what really got me onto that is there's a there's a uh, in in Yellowstone Lake there is a fish that is naturally from the Pacific, but there's no water connecting to Yellowstone from the Pacific, and they <laughs> think that there once was. Um, I mean, it was an interesting story when I was there. I, I, I looked into how the divide is right there. Um, you know, the, 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 the divides the country. And, and there's, a, there's a little tiny creek that they think used to be that thing. And that's part of the divide. And uh, there's a monument there. you got to hike in quite a while to get to that thing. Because it's really out in, uh, in the wilderness. But... Uh, yeah, the, the, it, you know, the Snake River is running like in the opposite direction that you would think it would run in, right? So it's, mm-hmm. um, but. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Sure. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Hi, this is, this is Judy. Hi, Judy. Um, hi. I, I thought things like potatoes and yams, once they started to sprout eyes, um, that you didn't have to do anything, you just put them in the soil, and then they would grow. Is that incorrect? 
because I heard him talking about rooting his yam, his sweet potatoes or yams. I, and, I have never, because whenever we we used to do a garden, uh, uh, go to uh, be a part of a gardening club, and the people that were there always did what they call potato slips, and they're just slips of that stem, I guess, is what the slip is. And they always had them root. Oh. They always had roots in them, so we we put them in the ground. I don't know of not, anything. Because not the, the whole potato. Well, no, because the, you could probably could put the whole potato in there and do that because the I, the stem is drawing from the moisture off of out of the potato itself. So you probably right. I didn't could do that, but then you lose that potato. Was just the, Yes. Okay, I got you now. And what is that? What you call it? C ninety. Yeah, C ninety. It's a, it's a product that, supposedly, um, I think I get it out of Georgia or Alabama. I can't remember. I mean, I I don't get it from there. There's, you have to go to C ninety dot com or C ninety dot org. I forget what it is. It's C agra, C agra dot com or dot org. Uh, S E A. A G R I, Mur or somebody can put it in the chat room or something. I'm I'm not uh, able to do okay. that so at this time. But um, and C90 is they they originally came out with it. It's it's ocean. Uh, it's an ocean mineral minerals is what it is in um, granule form. So okay. Originally they were sending it. They were selling it to farmers. And for cattlemen, cattle mainly, cattle would cattle. They say that if you stick out a, a salt lick of like Redmond's or something, and you uh-huh. stick out the C90 C90 out there, that they will go to the C90 before the 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 other salt lick. Oh. So I don't, but I don't know. I don't have cattle or any way to prove that myself. But I just know that I've used it, and on we I drink it. I put it in my water and I drink it every day, and I. Uh, when I do uh, plants, when I grow stuff, I use that too. So it, what? it when I had I what? had aloe vera plants when I that I had bought from a, one some from a nursery and some from Lowe's from a, a organic nursery. Okay, so when I put I just sprinkled some around the soil and watered it in. That's a little bit. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do too much because it does have a high sodium content in there, which will kill the plant. So if you, and I put it around on the soil and then I watered it in. And within no time, the, okay, so when you buy a aloe vera plant, they're usually two-sided, right? They don't grow, they're not usually four-sided or all the way around. They don't stem out all the way around the, the base. It's usually just they make uh, one side going out and another side going out just opposite of each other. So okay. I put the C90 in there, and within no time, they started developing stems coming out and growing faster and growing out all the way stems all the way around the plant. So okay. I, I had never just seen ordered. I had just ordered a sea kelp product, which is like a fertilizer, and it's called, it's the company is Vitamin C, S-E-A, and I hadn't used it yet, so... What was the? So it sounds similar. Um, what was well, that the, other the product sea kelp, you, though, you were talking be a about? Different product. Pardon? What was the other product that you were talking about? If you combine the C90 with something else? Oh, Turbo Organic. 
Turbo Organic. That's turbo. the stuff that uh, Turbo Organic. Got it. Maybe Merck okay. can put that in there too, or Jim. It's a product that the guy Mike up in Utah produces. So okay. I haven't looked at his site yet, and but evident. I mean, I just keep hearing st- the way that Mike talks. He puts so much knowledge into what he's talking about. It just it's easy to believe it without even trying it. So right. Uh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, and, and I the appreciate C90 you and Turbo are in the chat. So those plants need minerals. The not the plant the plants need the minerals, but the soil microbes in the soil need the minerals. They break down the minerals for the plants to uptake it. So that's okay. important. But if you if you put it in water, I just do it as a foliar spray. I don't even put it in soil. I do it when I do a first planting. When I do seeds and stuff, I just put a little bit in there, and I may put some of the uh, longevity's uh, blooming minerals in there as well. So. If I couldn't find them this time, so until recently, I, <laughs> I had them in a bucket somewhere, I guess, and I forgot about it, so I couldn't find them. And, uh, but I'll do that, and then, but to keep them going through the summer or through the year, I just, I take and do a foliar spray. It, it makes okay. such a big difference. And then you can also, if you want to, you can add milk. Uh, especially if you can get raw Regular. milk, but you can use, yep, you can use pro, pro, pasteurized milk too. Milk feeds the, it's a sugar. It's got sugar in there that feeds the plants. And it, it, now, it would also it will kill be off better to do... any, pardon? Does it matter if it's whole milk or 2% or uh, I don't know that? about 2% or, I just use, I always drink whole milk. I don't do two percent anything. Okay, and it. Okay, so the, so body, it the body needs off. fat anyway. What? So, you you can put the milk. Look, look uh, there's an article. Uh, Mother Earth News carries an article on milk. Farmers used to take leftover milk and spray it out on their fields whenever they couldn't sell it or you know what or drink it themselves or whatever do something with it. They used to take it and they would uh, re constitute the the field with the milk the milk has if it supposedly it should have minerals in it and other things and other components in it that the grass needs and then the cows go back and eat it and feed the grass so you got this cycle going on. as a kid and, uh, that's how we used to catch um night crawlers for fishing we dump some milk on the ground and cover it with a piece of carpet or something and yeah. uh, you bump that up and grab all the night crawlers you want. <laughs> wow. Now, you can do that with water, too. If you saturate the – because anytime we get an oversaturation of water or rain here, then you'll find – because I've got Alabama jumpers that I that I put in my backyard, and uh, I used to try to raise them. I used to raise worms as well, different kinds of worms. And the Alabamas are harder to keep. They're harder to raise. And they they love clay soils, and I have clay soil. So that they're big, they get big, long, and they're like and kind of thick. They're almost they look like a small snake if they get uh, adult size. So and they got a tougher skin. They don't have they're not slimy uh, like the other worms. Then they're they're strong and made to go through clay. So uh, are they kind of are they kind of yard. brown and are they kind of brown and some spotted? are. Well, they're kind of they're kind of grayish. Have I just 
mostly gray, but sometimes you'll find them with a purple hue I found one yesterday. I found one yesterday. It reminds me of like a greenish-brown tan with darker spots on it, and it's got a real fat head, and it tapers down to the back, and it has tiny little horns or antennas on it. And uh, I don't know what it sounds is. Sounds like I've a congressman I know. Before. What? Worms don't have antennas on Yeah, I said it sounds like a congressman I know. <laughs> and he's ugly. Very ugly. <laughs> Sure, that wasn't um, Nancy Pelosi. But, <laughs> but milk, you can take the milk and do that with it. Um, just look up Mother Earth, Mother Earth News and use and type in milk or something like that. Milk for uh, fertilization or something. And and it also okay. milk has sugars in it, so it will cause any. If you have aphid problems, it will cause it it'll kill them. Because they can't digest sugars. Oh. Most of those insects can't digest sugars. So if you put that on there, or molasses is another. Um, you can do soap in there, which will help anything that you spray stick on the flower uh, leaves better, longer. And okay. you don't have you don't have to do that, but you can do that. And the soap also will suffocate any insect too because they breathe through their skin. Um, you know, if you if you pick up. Milk that is close to the expiration date in the grocery store. Um, I found yeah. on YouTube um, you can make your own cheese at home in a short period of time with that milk that supposedly is bad. Um, and that, and then there's something uh, I, else you can do with the whey. I don't know if maybe. I mean, I don't know if you can do that, but if it's not raw, you can do That's it with raw, raw milk. milk, but. Wrong, because it's pasteurizing. You've killed off all the microbes in there, and I don't think it would, you would have to add a starter, a, what's called a starter culture, to that milk in order to do that. Okay. Otherwise, that, raw milk has the culture in it already. Pasteurized gotcha. milk turns into putrefied substance. Yeah. You, so it's only, yeah. it's raw milk, is, as um, Chuck is saying, raw milk will always turn into another food. It'll always be yep. healthy and you can do, so you can make it like into a yogurt and the yogurt, you can make the cheese from by letting the whey run out. That's what I've done, but yeah, but pasteurized, yeah, showing, anything pasteurized rots. Yeah. He was showing yep. um, two gallons of milk that he had bought at the store and then he warmed it up on the stovetop and then you add either fresh squeezed lemon juice or vinegar. I think he used regular white vinegar, but I'm not certain. He's trying and to so, he's so trying to curdle it. Yeah, he's yeah, trying so to curdle it. You can't. And then you scoop out the curdle and put it in, drain it in the cheesecloth, and it makes its own little bowl. And then you can ball, and then it you season the outside if you want to. Right. And, That's how so you do I it with raw milk. It, so. it you raw. I mean, you can experiment with it, but it's not. He probably added it's a same, starter yeah. to it. It didn't tell you. No. But mm. you can add or you can That's add a possible. starter to it, and then do that. You can do that with the starter, but you can't do that from dead milk. It's dead. It, it's yeah. it's not alive. So you can take a live a product like that, a dairy product, and you can change it into all those mm. other forms. But um, by helping the process go along, you're not changing it, but you're just helping the process. And but with raw milk, I mean uh, pasteurized milk. 
you can't do you got to yeah. add a starter to it. So he he just okay. left out a it sounds like he left out a step. Some of those guys will tell you some things and it's usually for clickbait. Unfortunately, yeah. I hate it. But they get views and stuff and so some of the some of the things and they leave out a step. Because you're not paying them, the advertisers are paying them, and sometimes they just don't, they're not complete, or they just do it by accident. I don't know. Excuse uh, me. Yeah. Excuse me a minute. Yeah. I saw the same video. I've done it three times. It worked once. Um, I'm still using the mozzarella that I made, but the second two times that I did it, it didn't work. So there's probably a truth to what you're saying. And that I got lucky or used a different, used a brand that actually wasn't completely dead the first time. Possible, or you could have picked up some bacteria, uh, maybe from the air. I don't, I'm not sure, but the, well, there has to be some bacteria in that to, in order to, because they're the ones who break down. That's all it is. The, the bacteria in the milk is that it's what we call the culture is breaking down that. Uh, that form that and breaking it down and changing it into something else. That's well, I don't, I so, don't know if that's the case because anybody that knows me knows I ain't got no culture. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to have culture. That milk's got to have culture. It's something to, to break it down. You got to have some kind of. You got to have a, a bacteria in there that's gonna. It's gonna transfer. It's just like. Um, just like, like meat. Meat, meat turns rancid because it has bacteria. God has back made it so that bacteria is there and breaks down that meat because the, there's no life in that meat. So that's that's the nature. That's it. Just takes its natural course. Um, it's the same thing like with even with uh, plants that get uh, pests uh, or humans who get diseased. It, the reason is because they they're not totally 100% healthy to begin with, and that means that they are lacking minerals or some kind of nutrients in the body, or the plant is missing that, so it attracts pests to it that help break it down, and they feed off of that. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So that's just the natural order of things, and if you don't have all your uh, nutrients, your minerals and vitamins and uh, enzymes and stuff to function, you start showing up, you're going to start showing up some kind of a dis-ease, okay? That the word always should be broken down, D-I-S hyphen, ease. So... um, so that's the issue, and that's so that's what they're in thing. So anything that you're adding back into the soil to the plant that can help this, the plant grow. There's a guy, um, bio is it bio nutrient? No, what is it? Uh, there's a he started a food network or something like that. He's a grower. Back up in, uh, I think he's might be in Massachusetts. I he's back no Maine. He's Massachusetts, Maine, somewhere around there. Anyway, and he he makes the comment that nobody should be uh, growing food that is nutrient deficient <laughs> because it's it's not totally uh, healthy or alive, and it's not going to produce 100% health in the people that eat it. So 
Um, you know, so there's that thought. But it's just something to think about. We we should be striving to be as 100% healthy as possible. It, as possible as we, we can afford it and and try to reproduce it in the food that we grow. But at least with the food that you're growing and when you're putting all these products in there, you know what's going in. And you don't have to guess when you're buying from an organic farmer. In this day and age, there's so many liars and lies and scammers. You don't. You have to build a relationship with your farmer or people like that to even know what's going on. Amen. This has been good. Does everybody want to keep discussing well, this stuff, or do you want to listen to um, Dr. Uh, Mark McDonald, or we can do whatever you want? Hey, Jim, I had a question on citations. Yeah, Samuel. Uh, when you gave people citations and they signed it, did you compare their signature to their driver's license ever or even look at it? Occasionally. If I question if the person didn't look like the person on the on the uh, license and things like that, yeah, I would do that. Okay. So if I looked like myself on my license and I signed it, uh, not my signature, do you think you'd notice? <laughs> You signed not my signature? Yes. <laughs> In the signature box. They say to sign it. They don't yeah, say I would, you, I always looked at the it, signature. Right? <laughs> I watched them as they signed it. And, okay. Uh, and also, um, at least in Ohio, the signature on that thing is merely an acknowledgement of receiving a copy. That's all it does. Um, and in some citations, it's actually printed on there. Basically, I this is to acknowledge receipt of a copy of it that you've been served. Otherwise, if if you haven't, if you refuse to sign it in order to prove that you've been served, you have to be taken into custody so that you have a physical proof of it. That was the whole deal, uh, at least when I was on the job. Um, and it was the same. It didn't make any difference. It was a minor misdemeanor, just a traffic violation or something. If somebody was silly enough to refuse it. And I would explain to him, I actually had a guy who was going, I mentioned this once before, he was actually going to our police academy that our chief was running that, uh, you know, it was not good enough to send our real officers to. Our reserves would go there and, you know, other departments would send people to it to save money. And he was going to our academy and I caught him coming home going about 55 and a 35. And, um, the guy never said anything about who he was or anything and all this stuff. Not that, you know, it got to a point where it didn't make any difference anyway. The guy was a dip, you know, anyway. Um, but he refused to sign the thing. And I said, you realize if you refuse to sign this, I'm going to be forced to arrest you. I will take you into custody, put you in handcuffs. I don't care. I'm not signing. Okay, step out of the car, you know. And then he says, oh, I'm a reserve officer with such and such. And then he had the audacity to come into mayor's court and say the same thing and demand professional courtesy. So the mayor maxed him. <laughs> and by the time he left the building, he was no longer a reserve officer with that department. They called his chief and he said, he's out of here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, basically signing those things is just an acknowledgement of receipt of a copy of it. Well, you know, it, but what I normally would do is take something like that and, uh, take it apart as a, a abatement and send it 
to mm-hmm. the courts. But yeah. um, and if you signed it, not my signature, that would just be another part of the abatement. Yeah, it could be <clears throat> if they would let you do that. Well, I think it would be a matter of whether they they would catch it or not. Yeah, I always watched when they were signing and made sure they put their name on it. Okay, but. Uh, you know, in your case, what it says, uh, you've got your ch- two chances. You can either sign your real name <laughs> or you'll be taken into custody. And usually at that point, they would sign it. But, um, yeah, non-statutory abatements are phenomenal. And uh, there was a story um, I uh, with some people that I had come into Ohio years ago to do a seminar. Um, and the lady basically got a ticket, did a non-statutory abatement where you send the citation and the abatement back to the arresting officer. And then when they get to court, the judge asks how you're pleading, and she says, null record, which means no such record, because it was abated. And the judge, you know, no matter what the judge says, you just keep saying, I plead null record. And pretty soon the judge will then get frustrated and say, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, enter a plea of not guilty for you. And at that point, you got him. And you say, uh, pardon me, Your Honor, just for a point of clarity, uh, were you practicing law from the bench or were you rendering a judicial determination? In other words, are you illegally practicing law from the bench, in which case you can be disbarred? Or did you just find me not guilty? And, of course, the judge at that point knows he's got it. His face turns red, and he says, well, I'm rendering a judicial determination, and you're off the hook. It's done. You found, you've been found not guilty. So, you know, that's little games you can play. Generally, it'll only work in one court <laughs> one time with one judge. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you don't make it a habit to end up in court, it could become kind of handy for you. Hey, Jim. Yes, sir, Gary. Yeah, just to let you guys know, I heard you talking about uh, all the flooding and stuff. That the, Our governor yesterday afternoon declared a state of emergency for the whole state of Montana due to flooding. We are getting hammered with rain up here. Mm-hmm. And it's going to flood the Missouri and the Mississippi. Oh, baby. So, Yeah, I mean, we are just getting, we've had three weeks almost solid rain every day. Wow. Man. Yeah, we've. Uh, every every uh, river up here and creek is cresting mm-hmm. over flood stage. Um, I heard Samuel or somebody say something about Yellowstone. Yeah, it, it took out a steel bridge across the Yellowstone River down in Yellowstone Park. Oh, man. And we've That's got powerful. whole towns that are downtown is flooded right now. There's no place for the water to go. I mean, mm-hmm. the rain started right after melt. I mean, all the high mountain melts. Yeah which already raises the level of the water. And then it, it, we just been having solid rain for three weeks. And so many so people think it's just, it's that, not, oh, that's just mother nature or it's climate change. You know, it's, it's somebody no, in government dicking around with the weather. What should yeah, said per- something like they got in 45 minutes, they got more rain than they did in three months. Man. Yeah. We're just, uh, they're doing it on purpose. I mean, they're wanting to flood out the cropland. Remember back in, what, 2019 when they flooded all them silos and all that stuff? Yep. Uh, that's happening again. They're doing everything they can to destroy all the food sources. 
And well, yeah. Do you, do you know that the uh, meat packing uh, crop places and stuff like that are up to eighty nine now? Jeez. Yeah, I got the list, <laughs> and it's up over eighty nine. You're talking places about the ones now. that have been destroyed by fires and planes falling into them and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Holy it's exactly God. that. And then, like I said, it's up to over 89. Jeez. Back when I did it, did it in class and told my people about it on Monday nights, it, I think we were at like 30 or 35 or something. Wow. It's, it's kind of disappeared from the uh, internet yeah. news and disappeared mm -hmm. from uh, just different places. But yeah, they've not stopped. Good it's continued. How yeah. far north in Montana does the rain go? Well, I'm all the way up in Flathead Valley, which is uh, yeah. 60 miles from the Canadian border. That's up there. Yeah, I was on a conference call the other day with a guy who's got um, contacts in government, and they were telling him that uh, by late July or early August, things are going to get real ugly. And from that point on, it's going to be bad. And yeah, we're at five bucks a day. You're almost not there. <laughs> oh, can you hear me better now? No, your signal's really getting bad. Yeah, I'm out in the country working on a job, so yeah. it just, it's in and out. Yeah, it's a little cloud better. Um, you're talking about meat packing plants and the Cherokee. I just got a, I think an email. Yeah, I was in an email. They are about to open their own meat packing plant up in up in uh, Tahlequah somewhere. I guess it's around Tahlequah, Oklahoma, around Tulsa area. So they're opening their own meat packing plant. I was like, I, I was just like, what the heck? That's that's crazy, especially with all this cut down of it. You know, they keep uh, all the reports of them taking the meatpacking plants out. Yeah, previews of coming attractions. There's going to be more and more and more and more. All the USDA has to do is come in in an inspection and say that, uh, oh, we found E. coli. Destroy it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's on, yeah, but we're going back to this different jurisdiction stuff. Now, I'm, they're, it's kind of like the U.S. national thing, all right? So they don't want to say anything about the U.S. national thing. They don't want to admit it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want it in the public eye. This, um, and, and sort of like that, the Cherokee, I, I don't think that they are totally sovereign. I don't think any, well, I don't know about any, but most of your Indian nations, I don't think, are totally sovereign like they claim. I think there are some that are, but I don't think that all of them are because they've signed these treaties and pacts, these compacts with the, the federal government who um, they've compromised. And so, um, like, the federal government might be able to legally or technically come in and do that, but I don't think they're going to do that publicly because they're going to draw in the courts the uh, a jurisdiction issue again, just like they're doing over the uh, whether the whether the federal government or the state has jurisdiction over it. Well, they the federal government would. I forgot about that because they've got some stupid agreement with them. But maybe they would 
have that ability, but I would imagine that the tribe would uh, challenge them on jurisdiction still. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, it may depend. I don't know what kind of agencies that the Cherokee have set up for that sort of to carry out that sort of thing. So I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I should email them, I suppose, and, and see if I can find out some some of that information. But uh, yeah, that's a good question. When I was there, they um, I was informed by Cherokee and people who have lived in that community for years. There's a very strong FBI presence there. It's yep. one of the main um, FBI offices there. And due to fear of uprising and opposition to for standing for their, you know, standing for what is theirs. For the real rights and not yeah. the... Right. subjugated rights that they've been given yeah. through the tribe now. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, that's what they've done. They've, they've appeased the population. So like the Cherokee had, I had a, a fishing license from them, not a license, but I had permission. They had made a compact with the state. Well, Governor Stitt went back on that compact and so it's no longer there anymore. But the, all week, so if I wanted to Supposedly, I'm, I'm a national, so it doesn't make any difference. But as a, a Cherokee uh, citizen, they can only fish for free within the Cherokee territory. And so it, they, the stit, it probably because they lost money. Because <laughs> there are a lot of Cherokee people that have, or people within the state of Oklahoma that have Cherokee blood in them or some kind of Indian. So, um, I would imagine that it cost them money. And though Stitt, I think Stitt claims to be Cherokee. Uh, yeah, I know he does. He just not too long ago, I remember seeing an article where he was talking about himself being Cherokee. So, uh, you know, what do you do? He's in, he's trying to carry two different hats and citizenships and stuff. You, one can't be loyal to the both. I don't think. I mean... That's a difficult deal. Sorry, Gary, I'm on. I'm, I'm muted you because there was a squealing noise in the background. If you need to say something, you can go ahead and unmute again. Yeah, everybody got quiet. <laughs> so I'm, no, well, that's... I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that you brought that up, Nastasha, because. I was beginning to wonder if the Cherokee were fall that live in the in the Cherokee Cherokee territory at least anyway that are involved in maybe Cherokee politics or follow it closer than I do and are involved more in some of the the uh, culture there. If they went uh, hook, line, and sinker and towed the boat with the with the tribe with the tribe tribal council, um, it's like to me. I tried to look it up on Manta.com a while ago, just not long ago, whether they were incorporated. And I found one thing somewhere that that indicated that they that the Cherokee Nation is incorporated, but I can't. It's not solid. I I can't. I think it might have been on Manta.com, but it's it was kind of uh, vague. It wasn't. Because usually you can go on a minute.com, like I can go in there and I can find the sheriff's office is incorporated. The, I can, uh, courts, 
court systems incorporated stuff like that i can go find or i used to be able to find it. i don't know if they're hiding it <laughs> now but i was having trouble finding cherokee and i i will i will almost bet that the cherokee nation and any any nation that has an official title uh like that that's like a commercial title would probably be incorporated and if that's the case then you're they're not totally sovereign. From the Tea Party to the Black Panthers, uh, you'll get FBI agents because that's their job is to take any grassroots organization and infiltrate it. Uh, a good friend of mine out here knew the Black Panthers well, and that was really a decent organization until yeah, they were. Yeah. the FBI got in there and defamed them and undermined them and put their own people in the works of uglifying it and uh, destroying their reputation. Yeah. Also known as COINTELPRO. Yeah, Larry Pinckney was one of the original yes. leaders, and he's a fantastic guy. Yes, he was on George Riley's show several times talking about that very mm -hmm. thing. Yep. There's a guy on RBN that has a show. He goes by the name of V. He's a, a black dude who is a general in the Black Panthers. As usual, corrupted and co-opted by the government. Yeah, and prior to them, they were the Pinkertons, and they had such a bad name because they, they they were into the mining, crushing yeah. mining strikes and just beating the brains out of people with baseball bats, shooting them, whatever it took, mm -hmm. you know. Well, they and, were involved in the high in the railroads too, though. Well, yeah, that's what that's what was going on with. Uh, sure. uh, What's his name? Uh, Jesse James and his family. Yeah. Well, they were the FBI of their day. Uh, when the government couldn't afford an agency, they were they were basically uh, the mercs of their day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Soldiers for hire for the for the federal government. Yep. Yep. And then we got the polished version through J. Edgar. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he wasn't wearing a dress. <laughs> I, I will say this. This is sort of a diversion, but when you visit Oklahoma and you talk to the First Nations, don't ever mention reservation. They will clearly correct you that they do not have and did not have reservations. And it was a huge eye-opener for me because I made that mistake in talking with the Creek and Cherokee and um, you know and then I came to realize well yeah in South Dakota North Dakota you know there's certain areas just like I grew up in New England there were no reservations there in in the typical sense of how we think of reservations and so I, I learned a lot while I was there because different parts of the United States the history of it you know, I knew more of where I grew up, um, you know, in New England. So anyway, um, they don't like that well, term at all. They don't publicly say reservation, but they I have seen the term used not long, just recently, uh -huh. which I was kind of surprised by that because I've never heard the Cherokee ever use or talk about a reservation so they quickly it, it corrected is, me yeah well it but there i saw it now this may be the people themselves may correct that and they may not think that way 
but I saw this somewhere mentioned with the Cherokee Reservation. I I can't remember. I can't don't. I don't know if it was in the newsletter that I get or in an email. Somewhere from I don't know if it's an it was an official document or anything or a statement, but it was. It may have been in one of the newspaper articles that I was reading where it was mentioned. I was thought that's kind of strange. I don't think I've yeah. ever was it was it because of the area where the end of um, the Trail of Tears ended in that particular small area, or I don't know. Um, I, I can't even remember. Because I know, like in you know, in my time in New Mexico, I mean, they have pueblos. You know, mm -hmm. they had no reservations, and so a lot of people tend to speak of First Nation all having been on a reservation, and that's just not true. But yeah, I'd be interested to know what that was, Chuck, because I know that um, th they're right, you know very very, and I mean, I knew key people in. This one man, an artist, I can't remember his name at the moment. He recently passed away, and he was very involved in the true Cherokee um, nation there, the history, and, um, and, and others. And I was invited to one of their private night sessions. Um, it was during the time that they had the major drum circles um, taking place. But it, it, I mean, they, they know that, I mean, they, sh they're willing, they willingly share their history and, and it's very detailed. And I mean, obviously, cause it's their history, but they're willing to really share it and make corrections. So anyway, I'm, I, I'd be interested if you can find that. I, I think if it was an Indian, I, I might say to the, uh, to the unknowing person using, reservation uh what do you mean you need a room for the night <laughs> yeah i mean i used it in the sense of you know what what is it in south dakota north dakota um in that sense and there's one area of the apache um in new mexico right. that is kind of under that really horrible in imposed poverty by the federal government but um anyway i'd be interested chuck because I as think, you know I, I love telequah i loved my time there it was just wonderful people and i learned so much and it was just really very transformative for me and unexpected i didn't plan to go there i was traveling through from memphis tennessee heading west on route 40 and I saw the sign Tahlequah and um, somebody at a um, roadside stop happened to mention to me what was at Tahlequah. And so I changed my plans and went up mm. into northern Arkansas and spent quite a bit of time there. And then yeah. including at the little, um, there's a French um, monastery there as well it's it's they're americans but it's takes after a french monastery a historical french monastery and i spent time there as well too so anyway i i just had a lovely time and learned a lot and wonderful people and and that's where i learned of the trail of tears i mean i never really knew of it 
and by the time I ended up going through this one exhibit at their museum, I mean, I literally was in tears. It was just so horrifying. And then I went to that area where they were all um, from their trail where it ended. And it was at a, at a fort in a little valley. And it still felt really strange. I mean, I'm, I kind of, you know, I kind of am an empath a little bit and maybe just with my knowledge, but so, um, but anyway, so I, I have warm memories of being there. You know, Natasha, I, uh, lately I've been reading a lot on the, on the war of 1812 and it would appear to me that the Indians were sort of holding their own with becoming part of the society to a certain extent until so many of them um, joined England in the war of 1812 and Tecumseh for sure. You know, I think after that uh, their reputation got smeared and a lot of this got worse and worse in my opinion. So why did they side with England? Because England was trying to keep uh, the colonies out of the territories. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, that was their statement at the time. Of course, you know, they well, would have done that in a heartbeat. But uh, yeah, they, they, they fought against basically the, um, uh, the colonists, which were free at the time from England. 1812, a lot of people say is this. Second Revolutionary War, which I really got into it because uh, it was after the Second Bank Charter was refused. I heard that uh, um, uh, Nathaniel um, um, uh, uh, Redshield <laughs> it was so PO'd that he decided to pay for the War of 1812 out of his own pocket. And I also heard that this was the war that exposed the Federalists for the traitors that they really were. And that was the end of the whole party. It used to be a party. It, it dropped out of existence because they were holding back and siding with the British. And a lot of the Americans saw through what the Federalists really were and were against them as well. And... According, and I can't verify this part, but supposedly Nathan killed the guys that were the signers of the Constitution that were the Patriots and left the treasonous ones off and weren't killed in, in, in the War of 1812. So the Federalists weren't killed in the War of 1812, but the signers that were patriotic were targets. Anyways, I'm still trying to research a lot of that out, but all this stuff with the Indians comes up when when you look at at the uh, the sides that were predominant in that war, and and, and the uh, Indians probably helped uh, the Canadians from becoming part of the United States because they helped the British greatly to uh, rebuff the assaults from. Uh, from the United States into Canada. Yeah, but the, they're still under the Queen, so there's there's still a Commonwealth under the Queen. So, 
I don't know how much of, I don't know what, you know, I don't know. What do you say? Oh, it was all lies. Uh, the, the, the English would have gone, you know, west sooner or later. They just wanted to be in control of it and not the United States. Well, of course they would. They, they're the original liars. They would have lied. They lied to the Indians and then their Americans, some Americans lied to Indians. Not all of them, but, you know, there's those that uh, that meant well, and then, but they had no control over it because they're not the ones. They're like the, you know, the negotiators, right? Yeah. And so then you got people over them. It's like they, they're the ones who break all the treaties yeah. and all the, the compacts and agreements and stuff like that. Well, they, because well, they, being, they, they, being, can't, they cannot live uh, peaceably, coexist that way with, with other peoples in this land and without trying to – it's not like, a okay, I'll give you this for that or we can make a deal and we can both benefit type thing it's no it's it's i want it all or nothing and if i can't if we can't do that i'm taking it being from wisconsin and all the german settlement that was there they never had problems with the indians they got along fine in fact indians gave up hundreds of thousands of acres peaceably because the numbers of the whites were growing so much in wisconsin Huh. There's a is a monument out there that uh, I found uh, up around Fond du Lac that commemorates it. I think it was like 648,000 acres, and nobody knows about it. Nobody even talks about it. But it was a good gesture from the Indians because they had good relationships with the whites, and they could see their numbers growing, and they just peaceably did it. Well, we're in a boat together now, aren't we? The yeah. uh, the blacks, the whites, the Mexicans, and the Indians. Here. Well, Mexicans are part. Yeah, they, they, they still got us all hating each other, pretty much. That's their job, right? Yeah. I mean, so we're all in the same boat. It's just like Russell Means uh, said before. I agree. They were coming after them, and he said, now they're going to come after you. So we're, and then then if you're like me, who's got Irish in Irish, uh, Scottish, English, German, and Indian in you, what do you do? <laughs> you just fight everybody. <laughs> Everybody's your enemy, but that's your enemy. You fight, so it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? We just we just have to figure out what we can agree on, and then try to. And I'm a knucklehead about that sometimes, so I need a lot of grace. But if, uh, so we have to figure out what we can agree on, uh, where the cultural differences are, and then we have to fight the main enemy, and then we can work our differences out later, but hopefully. So... And then, you know, because I got those cultural things and then I'm a Christian on top of that. So that puts me at odds with, with certain some people. So or could. And. But ultimately, all the cultures in this country have. It, it's either their way or the highway. Yeah, you know, the. Uh... 
the the political stuff and everything, you know, and um, Andrew Jackson in eighteen twelve made his fame in uh, protecting the uh, the the Mississippi from the British and crushing them there. But Harrison, which was a uh, political rival to to Jefferson, he's the one who crushed most of the Indians in in uh, in the Midwest area. So, you know, Jackson is uh, sort of uh, given that trail of tears um, burden, yet um, there was a lot of political pressure because of what the Indians did during 1812. I think, I think that would make a lot of sense. I, I hadn't. I guess that part of the my understanding of the history was lacking where the Indians got involved in that. So, and I can see where they would want to get involved in that with the British if they were promised that stuff. But you know, especially if you have a history from early America where the government maybe have reneged on its uh, treaties and compacts that it made. I can't remember. Now, I hate to say this, but what what time frame was the Trail of Tears? That was like later, right? The, not eighteen. That was before the Civil War. Well, eighteen twelve is the Battle of New Orleans, and about thirteen years later, he's president, and it, it happens in his presidency. I do believe his first, the first part of his presidency, Jackson. The Trail of Tears. I believe so. I mean, a lot of guys like him from the South got along with the Indians, too. You know, I mean, uh, he, he, he was a, a poor boy. Poor, poor boy. Well, most, most Americans, yeah, but see, the most, that's the thing that the South gets blamed with is having the plantations and all that stuff. It wasn't, most, most of the Southerners couldn't afford a dad gun slave. They had large families, yeah, and those I think large it's... families partook in the in the cultivating of their farms and their farmland and their homes and their businesses. That's that was their life. They couldn't right. afford. Uh, uh, it was the dang bankers and the Jew people, the the Zionists, the that were the ones who a lot of the plantation owners. They ran the slave shipping yards up north and the the ports. And out of Rhode Island, so it, they um, and so they owned a lot of those. I wouldn't say that they owned them all, because I don't know, but I know that they owned uh, most of it, and were in control of that. So they had a standard reason for their part that they would not want to give up slavery until they could transform it into another form like we have today. So. Um, and the sharecroppers and all that stuff is, goes along with that. But so that whole thing um, in in the South, most I think most of the people would just be like today. You're just trying to get along. You're just trying to eke out a living. And uh, you're not worried about having thousands of acres and trying to take it from people. Now, there are that there are wicked and evil men, too, who are going to do that sort of thing, especially if gold or minerals are found in the land, in the soil 
And then when oil comes along and you've got these other things that come out of the land that the land produces and you have those who are the dollar signs light up in their eyes and they go bananas. So you're going to have conflict with that. And, but that they're going to do that to anybody and everybody. It's not just going to be in. Well, so, yeah, the bottom, bottom line on the war of 1812 is uh, Rothschild got his bank charter and the war was over. <laughs> so all the poor people that suffered on the chessboard, including the Indians greatly, all lost. Yeah. Trail of Tears was during, um, you're correct, 1830s and 1840s in between. No, okay. So I was thinking it was before the Civil War. But, um, yeah, the Battle of New Orleans was 1812, and I think he became president 13 years after, and it was in his administration, so his first or second administration. Sounds about right. I now you know you know the Cherokee here in that is not talked about. Nobody talks about it. I've seen. Um, I think I, there's a OU University of Oklahoma has a uh, natural history museum down there, and they have one. They have a book in the bookstore there. There's a store, and they have uh, recipes in there. Cherokee recipes. Um, they may have some other Indian stuff in there, but they have stuff like Cherokees in their book. And one of them I was looking at <clears throat> had, uh, um, I was just skimming through it, and it had said something, but the authors was talking about how they were anti-Civil War, anti-Southern Civil War. Uh, they were, they sounded like a Northern pacifist or a Northern uh, supporter. So, but, Okay, so there's there's like no Stan Wadey, the the Cherokee chief here in Oklahoma was a general in the Southern Confederacy, and as far as I know, he never I don't I don't think I don't know if he lost any battles I don't think he did but he never they never quit fighting. I mean, eventually they did because you know I guess. Unless they're still one of the reasons that the FBI is hanging around and they have a group holdover from that time period, but um, he was one of the generals. And so you you just don't, I never hear anything, that part of that history about Cherokee. So it'd be interesting. I, did you see that in the museum up there, Nastasha? She's unmuted. She's not hearing me. So, yeah, I wonder. I wonder who. Anyway, that who, would be. I I don't think Kamso was a, a Cherokee. He was more from the Detroit area. No, he's Florida. So, Florida. No. No. He's a Seminole. Is he not? I don't Kamso think so. From Ohio. No. Um, you know, in in Wisconsin, there's a small gash engine named after him. Yep. Right. I mean, right. Um, yeah, pretty sure he was more from the, uh, the Ohio Valley area because yep. that's where he, he got most of his support. I doubt if he came all the way up from Florida, no, unless, unless Ohio. he migrated there. We there. Go. No that's idle before it's time. Here's some music, guys. We'll get this. No, yeah, I think. I think the Kamsa wound up down in Florida from another area. It may have been the Ohio Valley or something like that. I, I don't. 
because I don't think that Florida is the natural home of Seminoles. I said, oh, really? I always thought Ohio. it wasn't, and, and they never were rooted out either, and they have a, still a strong uh, community there. Well, there's, I may be getting it mixed up with something else. There's not all the Indians in Florida are native to Florida, I don't believe. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, And I'm pretty sure Tecumseh is a Seminole, but I, I can't swear to it because I know that there's a famous Indian chief of the Seminoles, and I, I the only name that comes to mind is Tecumseh. I can't think of any other name because the I think the chief, the Indian chief that's on the Florida State Seminoles is supposed to, is that Indian chief, and I'm thinking that. Well, regard, regardless, he was the general of the generals of the of the Indians in the uh, War of eighteen twelve, <coughs> and he uh, he was killed by Harrison, I do believe, or in a skirmish with. There Harrison's we go. No idol before it's time. Here's some music, guys. We'll get this going, guys and girls. <laughs> What's up, Jim? Did you hit the yeah. wrong button? I'm bored, so I'm sitting here playing around with things. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your hands to yourself. I was just trying I'm to sorry. download what Roger saw our shows. <laughs> See what happens when you take over? <laughs> I apologize. Sorry about that, Jim. <laughs> That's all right. You guys are having a good conversation. I just let you run with it. I'm getting some things done today. <laughs> <laughs> well... Got my checkbook um, updated. Somebody posted in the chat room about Seminoles. I didn't see what that was. Yeah, I was saying Tecumseh was from Ohio. Every year there's a big uh, okay. outdoor theater thing of Tecumseh. And, uh, yeah, that's what I thought. He, you know, horses on stage so in the shooting match. Who's the Seminole chief? Because he's known for other things, too. Battles and stuff, and uh, who's that famous Seminole? Uh, I don't know. I just heard of Tecumseh because of, he's got a big name here. <laughs> the the one thing about the War of eighteen twelve that did some good for the country was the regular Joe saw the Federalist for the rats that they were, and that's when Jefferson got the upper hand on him finally, and then he got into power. And 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 the likes, which the blue bloods did not like too much. Who Jackson getting in power? No, Jefferson. The Democrats, the Jefferson movement. Oh. Now you look. There's you were talking about that party, the Federalist Party, being no more at some point now. Nobody has really talked about this. We've talked about Freemasons in the past, and I'm just bringing this off as a side thing, not trying to get into it. But the Freemasons, uh, there was a there was an anti-Freemason party in the early 1700s, or late 1700s. But nobody really or 1800s, and nobody really talked about that. It was uh, I want to say it was one of the Aunt Adams' sons. 
Samuel or John Adams' son, if I remember right. Mm. Some one of them started the anti-Mason party. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, um, Judge Dale, um, in his book, um, The Great American Adventure, he says that of the of the signers of the Declaration, he says there's 51. Well, I think he's wrong. I think there were 56. But he says of the 51, um, 21 were traitors and the other 30 were good guys. And he says during that battle of 1812... Rothschild was after the people working against him and not the people working for him. And that's why people like Washington and Hamilton, etc., were never touched. Yet he says that the, the, the other 30 signers that were patriots took most of the damage of that war. So I haven't been able to vet signers that of the decoration, Signers of the Declaration of Independence? Yes. Was it now? Pat, did Henry sign? He didn't sign it either, did he? Mm, he wasn't there. Huh. I find that interesting. So that's one of the things that Michael Gaddy says may have been a whole different story if he was, because he was still the the most Christian, best orator of his time, with his anti-federalist feelings. That uh, Michael says, man, I wish he, uh, I wish he would have showed up for the thing, you know. Well, he was busy. Part of that time, he was busy uh, defending the the early Baptists who were getting persecuted by the the uh, Protestants, with the the Episcopalians and the uh, who's the ones that Brent Winters liked so much, Puritans. The Puritans were. Um, persecuting the Baptists and so he was defending them in their courts and kicking their butts so <laughs> you got if you know if you don't know those stories you gotta go find the stories online you can find them that there's well didn't I he mean, have a little didn't he have a little side job like governor of Virginia too yeah he did some things but he was in <laughs> politics to some degree but he he was uh he was an anti-federalist so, and part of that time that they before they became the the Constitution was put in, when they were under the Articles of Confederation, the remember because they had each state, most of the uh, what twelve of the states had their own uh, Constitution, Christian constitutions that so they had to be qualified, right? You couldn't, which means that the Catholics couldn't hold office and the Jews couldn't hold office, which were in the country through Rhode Island, which happened to be where the Baptists took over. But they, those Baptists were, unfortunately, were the Jews. The Jews that they brought in were the uh, Zionist Jews, and so they were the ones who were the slavers and stuff. And I don't know if the Baptists knew that or not, but there's that's the ones that they gave refuge to from, uh, I think, from Jamaica or somewhere in the Caribbean. If I remember right, I, I might, it might be wrong, but I think it came out of the, the Caribbean somewhere and um, gave them refuge. It's in the, the book, uh, Baptist History. No, it's, a, it's America and Crimson Red and the early American Baptist history, something like that. So you can find that in there. That's, and he documents 
from he went back this guy this pastor went back east and did the documentation on the on a on a, for his book he got it from the Rhode Island area and a lot of the history from that and so they but they were being persecuted for their uh, not baptizing infants and they would do open prayer open air preaching just like the Puritans did, like Whitfield. and uh, I don't know if Edwards, Jonathan Edwards did open-air preaching, but I know Whitfield did, and during that time, there was a lot of uh, persecution because a lot of those that Whitfield that converted under his preaching wound up being Baptists. Because they, they were convinced that if the baptism wasn't correct, so... Anyway, so there was a lot of that heat and war going on, and just over that that doctrine by itself. So, uh, so Jim, um, do, do I have you? Do what? Uh, I oh, I was wondering if you're still there. You know, yeah, a good question for Mike tomorrow <laughs> might be just that. Why does he think Patrick Henry didn't show up? Was it just he didn't want to get the slime on his hands, or he was busy? Or well, from the statement I, I smell a rat. I, a I think he just didn't want to be a part of it. That's what I feel. Yeah, he just you know because of the fact that it was obvious to him that uh, they were going to far exceed the uh, directive that the people were going for, and he knew you know he was reading between the lines. I think I think he just didn't want to be a part of the whole thing. You know, didn't want to have his name tarnished. Yeah, that sort of seems to be Mike's tack on uh, status these days too. Mm-hmm. Well, that had to do that had to do with uh, the Declaration of In- I mean, the Constitution, right? Not the Declaration right. of Independence. Yeah, it was the Constitution. Yeah, you know, right. he knew that they were going because to he was an anti- violate their yeah, directive. Yeah, he, an- he was a leader in the anti-federalist movement. Yeah, one of the biggest voices. So. I love Patrick Henry. I'm just not fond of any of the others, but he's yep. my main one that I've. Well, there were some good ones out there. You know, George Mason, Richard Henry Lee. That we're on the right page, that's for sure. Yeah. It's just Pat Henry was kind of the leader of the pack, I guess you could say. Right. He Well, he's the most that we know about mm-hmm. more than any of the other guys. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, Hamilton had Washington to his support his side of it. And Washington was the guru, mm-hmm. you know. You know he was, you know, you know, stood head and shoulders above everybody else. He was extremely tall when everybody was average about five seven, five eight, and uh, he just had a, a presence about him that you didn't question him. And uh, when that little puke Hamilton crawled into his pocket, or somehow or another stuffed Washington into his pocket, and more likely. Uh, things kind of got, you know, went the wrong direction for us. <laughs> it would have been, you know, I, I agree that I think uh, had uh, Patrick Henry been there, it might have been a very, very different constitutional convention. Uh, they may not have come up with a constitution. They may have actually stuck to, uh, of course, I don't think that would be the case. I think he would have left and discussed like uh, some of the other guys did, like um, uh, Luther Martin and uh, some of the others. But um, just being there, I think it might have had an effect, but we'll never know. You know, at this point, unfortunately, you know, we're just stuck with the aftermath now. And 
he and uh, Samuel Bryan and some of the others did a really good job of explaining back then what we were going to be facing today. And they were dead on, to say the least. One of, one of my favorite quotes from Michael is, uh, and I had never heard it prior to Michael, is the argument about a strong federal government because there's bad guys in the world. And the uh, retort was, what happens when the bad guys become the government? <laughs> exactly. And they always do. <laughs> yes. You know, that's the thing. The crap always floats to the top. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. But uh, that's, the, that's the thing, you because know, the, the people that are good just want to be left alone. They just want to live their lives. They just want to do their business and whatnot. And it's the scum that want to control everybody else that end up in government, unfortunately, the vast majority. And even those that, you know, have, they go in with the right intentions very soon, like he says, they're either corrupted, they're forced out, or they get to go for a ride in an open-top limo in uh, Dallas, <laughs> you know. And uh, they just, government always changes the people. People don't change the government. Real shame. And unfortunately, everybody thinks that, you know, oh, if we just get the right person in there, you know, I see that all the time. I've, I've been very vocal at my church lately. Anybody asked me, I said, I've washed my hands of the whole system. I've determined that, you know, I'm not banging my head against the wall anymore. Uh, you know, I'm done doing the same thing and expecting different results. In my opinion, the only thing we can do is stop paying taxes and stop voting. And that'll be the only thing to change you know, the system. But what's the chance of that happening in the next, you know, 100 years? Probably not much. Let alone by November. I I don't think there'll be an election in November. I think they're going to pull some kind of thing to cancel it or do it all by mail. And uh, Biden is, you know, he's living proof of what you get when you order your president through the mail. Yeah. Well, some of these things are, are chip, chip, chipping away at it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this these documentaries like but by Dinesh D'Souza um, yeah. and people like that who've who's already been in jail by them, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're they're I'm sure they they're going to find something else on this guy. Yeah, I've been sharing copies with people, and I just tell them, I says, you know, it's it's very very frustrating for two reasons. Number one, you can see that they. You know, this is just one indication of the many different ways they stole the election. And number right. two, it's even more frustrating because knowing what happened, nothing is going to happen from it. I honestly believe that, you know, they can put a copy of this in every single's hand and every single person in the country, all of Congress, the whole shooting match, nothing would happen from it. Huh. Well, well, so what? And really, all you really need to know is one statistic when it comes to that election is Joe Biden got more votes than any other president in the history of the country. Yeah, right. <laughs> and if you believe that, I've got some oceanfront you know? property in Arizona I'd like to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah. What a joke. Give me a freaking break. You know, the guy is a freaking moron. I was, I was just, while you guys were chatting, I was looking at some news things, and there was one that came up. Um, 
when he was on Jimmy Kimmel last week, Kimmel, a train wreck, Kimmel had to cut to a commercial after senile Biden trails off in nonsensical ramble. <laughs> what do you think was going to happen? The dude's wearing a mask backstage. He comes out, and when he gets within inches of Kimmel's face, he takes the mask off. <laughs> that And it goes downhill from there. But, you know, it's just one thing after another. I was hoping, oh, here it is. Let's... Let's listen to this, just for the fun well, of it. You know, Jim, a lot of people say this. Tonight is to aviator sunglasses what Tom Cruise is to aviator sunglasses. I'm proud to say I voted for him dozens of times. He is the reason we all got a cavity search tonight. Please welcome the 46th president of the United States, Joe Biden. <laughs> I know you get you overstand it. Yeah. You don't just understand it, you overstand it. <laughs> but here's the deal. One of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a, um, even with, with notable exceptions, even the really good reporters, they have to get the number of clicks on, on, the, on nightly news. Mm -hmm. So instead clicks of asking a question, hmm. anyway, it just, everything gets, gets sensationalized in ways that, but I'm convinced we can get through this. We have to get through it. And one of the things, look. I'm going to take a break, and then we'll talk a little bit more. I don't, if you don't mind. You. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have some of those commercials. I, 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 I we have some biracial commercials we need to show. We'll be back with President Biden. We are back with the President of the United States. Um, just, a, just a process question. When you have sensitive documents that you need to flush down the toilet, do you do that? Is, he, is that done in your office toilet, or is that done in the bathroom, in the personal bathroom area? I call Trump. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I haven't. <laughs> you know, everybody talks about, you know, sensitive documents and the like. I, I don't destroy anything, but one of the things that I spent more time with Xi Jinping than anybody, any other head of state, and I'd always be, when I traveled with him 17,000 miles, spent 78 hours with him, they tell me, all told. And uh, we'd have, I'd have a consecutive interpreter and he'd have one. And the difference between when I would do that and others would do it, I always handed in all my notes. You got to hand in your notes. Hand in my notes. It's, yeah. You learn that, in, we learn that in school, That's theoretically. Right. Uh, Roe versus Wade. Boy, these things just keep coming at you, don't they? I mean, there's no, you, you have not had an easier, what a terrible job you have. I mean, <laughs> what a... I'm glad you're doing it, but boy, oh boy, does this seem well, like a bad you know, gig. It's a. Uh, I think if the if the court overrules Roe v. Wade and does what is, yeah, draft. What we fear they will. Well, yeah. if that occurs, I think we have to we have to legislate it. We have to make sure we pass legislation making it. A, a law that is the federal government says this is how it works. Yet another situation where most of the country is on the same page. Something like 64% of Americans do not want to see Roe v. Wade overturned. And it's just going to be the beginning, by the way. You know, there used to be a, a, a case called Connecticut versus Griswold. Oh, that? I'm very familiar with it. Well, well you no, know, I'm not, I'm no, but, all, but all kidding aside. Is that from the National Lampoon Vacation yeah, movie? It is. <laughs> but Connecticut versus Griswold said that you could not use contraception in the privacy of your own bedroom. 
because in the Constitution there was no right to privacy. And so they could outlaw, and if you use contraception, it was against the law. You couldn't purchase contraception. And, you know, there's a whole range of things that are at stake here when we talk about eliminating Roe v. Wade and all its all, all the same-sex marriage. It. I mean, it's just ridiculous, in my view. And I don't think the country will stand for it. But I think what we're going to have to do. There's some executive orders I could employ. I, we believe we're we're looking at that right now. But I want to keep. I want to keep employing. But look. It's clear that if, in fact, the decision comes down the way it does and these states impose the limitations they're talking about, it's going to cause a mini-revolution. They're going to vote a lot of these folks out of office. We've got to keep it focused on if, some, if, you, if they overrule where we wait and the state in California won't do it, but other states say that you cannot do the following, it's, all, it's a law, you can't cross the border, you can't, all, all the things that some states have, then you've got to make sure that you vote you got to vote and let people know exactly what the devil you think. And we change it. Yeah, we have to vote for people who are fighting for this country and not just reacting to these horrible things because we should have done something about gun violence a long time ago. The climate is something we could all look back at these days and go, oh, my God, But we have made some progress there. There's 560,000. But it's moving. It's moving. My mother used to say, out of everything bad, something good will come if you look hard enough for it. So the, re the reduction on the use of oil also increases the need to find alternatives. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm, that's why I'm going over to the, quote, G7, the seven largest economies in the world, and meeting in, uh, in Germany in a couple weeks. Well, we're looking uh, hard for the good things, and we're glad you're looking hard for the good things, too. We can do this. This All is right. the United States of America. We can do it. I hope you're right. I really mean it. I mean it. President Biden, everyone. Thank you, Mr. President. We'll be back with Jack Johnson. Hi, I'm Jimmy Kimmel. I hope you enjoyed that video. What a joke. <laughs> Man. He sat there and, yeah, the Supreme Court set to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is a clear indication that there's no constitutional authority for the federal government to weigh in on this matter. So what's going to happen? Oh, we're going to pass a law in Congress, which will be unconstitutional. Or, more unconstitutional, I'll just issue another one of my famous executive orders. <sighs> yeah, that'd be a mini-revolution. <laughs> Jim, do, do yeah. you think they're sending out uh, body doubles for Biden? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be at all surprised. You know, I've seen a lot of different things, uh, images that show seams along the back of the neck where the, somebody's wearing a, a mask, um, the things where you look at the earlobes and stuff, one minute they're connected at the bottom, the other minute they're loose. You know, there's, there's no question that Biden, um, Hillary, they all have body doubles. They've got doppelgangers. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump did, but it'd be hard to fake that hair. <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to have a wig or a mask. But Then uh, why would I, they trot out the doubles that act? So just, well, they have to be just as stupid as the original. <laughs> Why don't they do like, some kind of cognitive improvement with these clones? You would think, you know. Well, well if you're really going to do a good job of it, that was my going to be my second point. You would have to throw out these wingers because he's been doing it for 20 years, not recently. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. 
And there's no doubt that, you know, I'm pretty sure they have body doubles, but, and they also be, seem to be just as stupid as the, as the next or the previous. Um, you would think they'd try and improve things a little bit, but who knows? You know, maybe they can't find somebody that looks like that that's got more than two brain cells. I don't know. <laughs> you, mean, you mean like islands flipping over? Yeah, you know. you got to get all those Marines off of Guam before they end up upside downy in the Pacific. But I don't know. It's just crazy. All I know is, you know, we've got to be the laughing stock of the world. Because everybody that looks at what's going on here and looks at all this stuff, and they say, what? <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I give up on it. I just, you know, who knows? And like, you know, like Mike says, you know, the folks that sit there and, oh, well, Trump's going to come back as a military dictator. The army's going to come in and turn everything over. Well, yeah, that's totally unconstitutional, but it's okay as long as it's your guy. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I keep hearing all kinds of rumors about this, that, and the other thing. Of course, they never come to fruition. Um, and all I can say is I ain't a part of it anymore. I wash my hands of it as soon as I can. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah. Are they dirty? What was that? You have dirty hands? Not me. <laughs> my hands are clean. <laughs> now that you've washed them, yes. Yep. Yep. Just like my puppy yesterday who snuck out and ran through all the muck and mire. I caught her and she came back and her feet were from, instead of blonde, they were covered in yuck. <laughs> And I had to wipe her down. And, you know, it's funny. There's something about that dog. By the time she came up in the afternoon, her feet were clean. I don't know what mm. happened. But uh, <laughs> strange. She washed her hands and feet. Just like I did. I don't know. This this whole situation is just screwy. But there's something's got to change. I mean, there's no way that it's, it can be sustainable. I hate that term. You know, when you got national average gas is over five bucks a gallon now, uh, pushing towards, you know, everybody's trying to get their pumps changed in time for when it gets over 10, you know, <laughs> you just can't go on that way. People won't be able to afford to go to work, you know, uh, they won't be able to buy groceries. Everything is, you know, the, the entire thing shows that the, the government's at war with us. They are shutting everything down trying to starve everybody and basically reduce all the, um, uh, get rid of your ability to have stockpiles of anything. And then, of course, Biden signed a new executive order saying that the military can waltz in your front door and take everything you got. Um, the whole thing is criminal, and it can't hold up. You know, we're either going to be in a shooting war or somebody's going to come and take over and straighten things out. Either way, it ain't going to be pretty. But I don't know. I'm just going to sit here and watch it and see what happens. But uh, I feel sorry for the folks that are stuck inside big cities. It's going to be a bad place to be when all this starts up. But anywho, um, four, 17 minutes to go. You guys want to go back to your conversation? <laughs> 
<laughs> Jim, I, I was going to say that, uh, uh, you know, you know, either Russia's part of the big stage of Shakespeare here, or Russia is going to take out DC because we're talking now a dragon nuclear weapons into Ukraine. Now I remember this guy called Khrushchev who'd started mm -hmm. to do that to us. Oh, yeah. We didn't like it very much, you yeah. know. And I guarantee you, if we put nukes in Ukraine or anywhere close, it's going to get ugly real quick. Putin ain't no well, they're pushover. They're, good. they're they're talking about it. For days now. Like I said, that's that's the whole thing. They're trying to get us into a nuclear war. Yeah. It's the only way Biden can get out of the mess that he's in. And that's pretty bad. <laughs> when you when the, when you painted in your yourself into a corner that the only thing that can fix it is nuclear war, that's screwy. And yeah, and, and and Russia made the statement that if they have to strike, they're going to strike the command centers. Well, to me, that's Belgium, London, and Washington, D.C. And uh, I doubt they could do anything with Cheyenne, Washington, or Cheyenne Mountain, but that's that's the key place. Yeah, but... You know, if they if they would just hit D.C. and leave it at that, we could probably send them a box of chocolates and a thank you note and go on hmm. about our business. Um, that's probably one of the best things that could happen. <laughs> what was that, Jeff? And a dozen roses from Ecuador. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Robert? Go ahead. I know it's something's on your mind. Oh, sorry. I thought I was muted. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, somebody well, breathing yeah. in through the phone. That was me. Sorry. I apologize. I thought I was muted. Sorry. Robert. Yeah, you, uh, since you brought it up, Jim, are you going to be able to carry enough food on that sailboat to last two, three, four months? Um. Yeah, easily. Probably wow. be much, you know, if my plan is if I can still get it by then is to have a whole bunch of uh, dehydrated, storable food in there or mm -hmm. freeze-dried stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll have probably a year or two's worth in there, you know, stored up, plus the, the regular stock of, you know, fresh things. Uh, that's my plan. And the boat's got plenty, plenty of storage for that kind of thing. And mm. freeze-dried food doesn't take a lot of space, but yeah, you could you could easily have uh, a couple of years worth of uh, food that all you got to do is rehydrate it to eat it. And sure, it up. sure. And weight won't be a problem. Nope. Nope. And you know, other than that, you know, really, there's no need to have to go anywhere because the the thing would pretty much be self-sufficient. Uh, the battery bank on that thing is huge, and with the solar it's got, it would recharge it from dead in about an hour uh, with good mm -hmm. sunlight. And you can the... run everything um, on it with uh, with the battery bank. And by the time I get this one, there's going to be an option, I think, for a um, electric uh, power 
you know, like a hybrid type deal where mm -hmm. you have diesel and electric motors. Ah. Uh, uh, so. So you can run the motors without diesel? Mm-hmm. That's oh, okay. a potential. They're, they're looking into it. You know, it, the boat's kind of big for that kind of thing. You know, there are there's some small boats out there now that, you know, I've, I'm following a couple that they basically are running everything as electric. Uh, well, actually, they're, they cook with, a, with alcohol, but everything mm -hmm. else is electric. And, um, you know, they have electric motor, and it actually has a regeneration system that, you know, when you're sailing if you get enough if you got enough speed then the propeller turns and recharges the batteries and it's getting much more efficient now and uh, a big boat is kind of you know because of the size of it it will uh, easily do much more in the regeneration standpoint but it will take much more on the outside you know the the motor part to, to power it and get it going at any speed um, but they're working on it and the technology is getting better and better and better as time goes on so uh, if it's not available by the time i get it it might be available later on as a retrofit mm. and you know if it works it'd be worth consideration jim uh, speaking of nutrition um i'm gonna be probably doing some longevity for a while just to see how i like it and mm -hmm. I'm still confused by the Tangy Tangerine versus the Ultimate Classic. The Tangy Tangerine is basically, number one, it's a powder, um, and it's got a lot of bells and whistles in it, depending on the version. They have the original, they have the, the 2.0, they have the 2.5, and I think now they got a 3.0, and I haven't looked at any of them beyond the 2.0. Um, they are they put more stuff, uh, pre and probiotics, um, uh, different uh, fruit juices, vegetable juices, things like that, besides the actual vitamins, minerals, amino acids. That's where the Beyond Tangy Tangerine came in, because the original Tangy Tangerine was basically just uh, vitamins, minerals, amino acids. The Ultimate Classic was basically that kind of thing, too. And the, the claim to fame, the nice thing about the Classic is it has six, 600 milligrams of calcium. Generally speaking, most of the powders, uh, most of the previous ones only had maybe 100 to 300 milligrams of calcium. So having 600 was a big boost, uh, considering you need about 1,000 milligrams per 100 pounds of body weight. So it was a better all-around. If you were just doing one thing, um, the Classic was a good way to go. Um, I use the uh, Ultra Body Toddy, which is very similar to the Classic, but it only has 300 milligrams of calcium. But I do a separate bottle of Cal Toddy per 100 pounds as well. Um, so I'm getting all the calcium I need that way. And I find that the, uh, the Body Toddy is, you know, it. I'm trying to think of the best one. You, I mix it in water in a sports bottle. Uh, the problem I found with the uh, Classic is it left a major residue on the sides of the bottle. Um, no matter how much you shake it up, there was always a lot of crap left behind. And I don't have that with the, uh, with the Body Toddy. It basically all comes out clean, so to speak. It doesn't leave a lot behind on the walls of the bottle. And I kind of like that because, you know, there's a, you know, if it's being left behind, it might be something good that you should be getting that you're not. And, uh, so as far, and it's a liquid that starts out that way. Um, 
and it's it's bare bones. It's basically the the basic stuff, the vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and uh, but it's less money, so it saves that way. Um, especially with the recent price increases, you know everything's going up. But um, I still, you know, as far as the basic thing for for someone is the uh, the Core ninety uh, health pack is probably one of the better ones because it's got it's got calcium you know a, sec, a standalone calcium um because that's a major major part of what you need every day um so it gives you everything in good amounts that even if you're doing just one per month um if the best way is one per hundred pounds but if you're just doing one a month that's the best way to go uh, you're getting everything you need there and uh what what do you what are you calling that again? Core it's 90 called the Core health? 90. It's it's three things. The first one is the uh, Ultra Body Toddy, then the Cal Toddy, which is another. Li- there are two liquids there, and then the last thing is Prohoba Omega, which is the omega uh, fatty acids, and um, those three things are combined together. You can buy them separately, but they're combined together in a product called that they call the Core 90 Health Pack, and it's one hundred nine ninety five. Um, as opposed right now, I think I haven't looked at the prices of the healthy body start packs with the with the BTT and all that. Um, but they used to be one thirty three. They're probably close to ten bucks more than that now. So it's you know it's a fair amount more um, for some fruit juices and some other pre and probiotics. So uh, personally, if you know if if you can afford it, it's a good option. But uh, I think the calcium, the liquid calcium in the uh, in the Cal Toddy is probably the best product we have right now as far as calcium goes. They've monkeyed around with some of the formulations uh, with the OsteoFX and I think screwed it up. Uh, I would I would assume for myself I probably get enough calcium through my kefir every day, but I doubt uh, it. Um, so there's. This core ninety pack, would you say that would cover uh, good bone and joint uh, health as well as circulation? Mm-hmm. Those would be the two other areas that I would look at for myself. Yeah, if, if you've got if you've got joint issues, you know you want to add in the glucogel, uh, which is the mate. You know, it's the stuff that the body uses to make the uh, soft tissue, the um, the connective tissues, ligaments, tendons, uh, bone matrix, and uh, so that's a key thing if you're dealing if you're with joints and stuff like that. Um, collagen. Other, what's that? Builds the collagen. Yeah, cartilage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's it's a good add-on. Uh, Merg, go ahead. Where'd you go? <laughs> Merg wanted to talk and then she disappeared. Um, but yeah, that's that's a good. You know the the core ninety and 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 the glucogel, um, and by all you know when you, when you deal with the capsules with longevity, they have to put something on the label legally to tell people basically what to do. That is not by any stretch of the imagination a therapeutic dose. Um, it'll say like four capsules per day for an adult, when in fact you know a therapeutic dose is one capsule per ten pounds of body weight. I take 16 a day of the glucogel, um, and I, basically what I do is I round it to one 240-count bottle per 100 pounds per month, and um, 
that's, you know, eight a day for a hundred pound person, 16 a day for a 200 pound person. And that will give you the stuff. That's what I use to rebuild both my knees in 90 days time. Um, so. Jim, did, did my friend Kim ever speak to you directly? Mm-mm. Not that I okay. know of. Yeah. She's, she's obviously did. She loves the glucogel. Um, but I don't think she has any idea what dose she's supposed to be taking. Yeah, that's the, you know, according to Wallach and Glidden, one capsule per 10 pounds of body weight is uh, ideal uh, for to get good results. You know, if you take it two or four a day, you know, you're going to be way behind. Um, I actually talked even, to them. Even once you're caught up and built up, you think you still need to take that much? I do just because... I can, <laughs> you know, I, my, my bonuses more than cover, uh, my, all, they pay for all my products and lots of money left over. Um, okay. if you're on a tight budget, yeah, you could, once you get good results, you could cut back to a more maintenance dose. Um, but you know, if you can continue, it's worth it because then your, your chances of injuries down the road are much less if you're doing the right doses to start with, rather than worrying about having to fix something that broke, I would rather take it as a preventative and avoid the injury in the first place. And it's much better chance that that would happen if you're taking the full amount. Um, so that's what I do. You know, I've been taking it that way for since 2012, and um, I haven't had any joint issues, injuries, anything like that to speak of. And if I, I had cut back once my knees were better, I would imagine I'd probably had something after that that, you know, could have been prevented. So it's just giving I, the body I, the extra. I, I noticed that they also had a bone and joint pack. Now there's like OsteoFX and some yeah, other stuff. Yeah, the healthy body bone and joint pack is basically, it's a healthy start pack and they put two extra things in. They put a, a 240 count bottle of glucogel and a, a little tub of uh, cm cream and cm cream uh, is made from a it's, it's derived from fish oil that's called acetylmerostoliate and it's a topical analgesic that most people don't really need you know if you need it it's great to have in there but if not it, you can you can avoid that just by buying, buying a healthy start pack and a bottle of glucogel and save money because uh, before the price increase, they were two hundred bucks. They were one ninety nine, and they're probably about two ten, two twenty now. Um, you know, so if you don't need the pain reliever, it's cheaper just to buy the the healthy pack and then add in the the glucogel yourself. Um, just as now, a, a caution, pain, pain, pain reliever might just get you nothing but in trouble. Go ahead and strain it some more. You know, you know that's the whole thing, and that's something that Wallach always. Uh, goes on you know on the tv commercials you know they advertise oh take your advil they they allude to the fact you know they don't say it but you can take it every single day and save you know kill the pain and what that's doing he says it should be illegal to you know kill the pain but not do anything to fix the problem that's causing the pain and that's what's going on there so you know they add it in but they're putting in a pack that's going to get rid of the problem but will help alleviate the pain in the process um, where, you know, I didn't care to, I wasn't worried about the pain. I just took the products to fix it. So I didn't, I just bought the stuff separate and saved the money where I wasn't paying for something I didn't really need. And, uh, you know, 
that's the kind of thing where we can talk off the air and, you know, refine things better. But that's why I always tell people it's best to get a hold of me. You can look around on the site, but get a hold of me, and we can work things out before you actually make a purchase so you make sure that, A, you're getting the right stuff, and, B, you're not spending too much money for it. But uh, with that, we are pretty much <laughs> out of time for today. Appreciate everybody being here and uh, giving me some time to get my uh, checkbook balanced and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, Good conversation. <laughs> And uh, anyway, we'll see you all tomorrow. Mike Gaddy will be with us. Don't know exactly what the topic's going to be, but it'll be good. Take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care and God bless. (laughs) 